0: In our catechism lesson today, we'll be thinking about, give us this day our daily bread. And to that end, let's hear Ecclesiastes 5, verses 18-20, our Old Testament lesson. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept His lot and rejoice in His toll. This is the gift of God. For He will not remember the days, or for He will not much remember the days of His life, because God keeps him occupied with joy in His heart. Now please turn with me to Matthew chapter six for our gospel lesson. Be reading verses 19 through 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Let's hear God's word. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? Our final reading from the close of Hebrews, verses 5 and 6. And as we're turning there, just to mention to you that the uh, ladies are continuing their Bible study. If you're interested, con- uh, speak with uh, Emily. She's helping to just administer things. We'll be ordering some study books soon. And the new uh, study will be in the letter to the Hebrews. And so thought it was an opportune time to mention that. If you're interested, please talk with Emily. If you're not sure who Emily is, just speak to me. I'll direct you there. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. We'll ask you from from Heidelberg, Lord's Day 50, question 125. What does the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer mean? Give us this day our daily bread means... Provide for all our physical needs so that we may recognize that you are the only source of everything good and that neither our care and work nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. Therefore, may we withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it in you alone. Amen. Well, may God bless this time of reflection and teaching on his word. If you are to go into uh, small group Bible studies, one thing that you often find, as I found, when I spent time working with college students, is that when you ask for prayer requests, the only prayer requests you ever get pertain to earthly things. They pertain to test scores and exams that are coming up, papers that are being written, or maybe someone is sick. These things are fine to pray for, and these are good to pray for, but what we've been learning from the Lord's Prayer is that praying for daily bread is not the centerpiece of prayer. That's not the strong accent of prayer. The Lord's Prayer begins and ends with praise and thanksgiving to God. The Lord's Prayer is especially about, in the first three petitions, the glory of God, His kingdom, His name, His name his being obeyed. And so as we begin to think about the things that oftentimes characterize our prayer requests, the things that enter our minds that we want to raise up to the Lord, we can affirm that those are good things while also recognizing that they're not the main things. And that's one of the key matters that I'm trying to get across in these weeks. Here in our fourth petition, we finally make the turn from God to ourselves. We've been praying your kingdom, your name, your will be done. Now finally we begin to address ourselves directly and we begin this by praying for our earthly needs. If you don't have earthly needs met, our earthly life continuing, well then we don't really need to begin to ask for forgiveness and preservation because we're dead, right? So it begins in a very logical place by praying for our earthly needs. And so here in our first point, I want to instruct us to pray for our needs, not our wants. And pray for for our needs, not our wants. Note here what Jesus says. Give us this day our daily bread. Now I can promise you that in his day, a leg of lamb was viewed as more tasty uh, than the loaf of bread. There are other delicacies that could have been looked to and pointed at as being absolutely, utterly delicious, even beyond bread, which can also be very good, especially sourdough. Am I right? But what we find here is that the petition is made for daily bread because it is focusing our attention on our need, not all the other things that could adorn our banquet table. It says daily bread, not daily steak or daily gold. Even if you might enjoy having some daily steak, and maybe a couple of you have some daily goals, I don't know. But we're being directed to focus our prayers toward our earthly needs, not our earthly wants. Bread was that, that basic staple of life in the ancient world. And rulers in the ancient world would maintain power and influence by ensuring that their people had bread. If they failed to meet those needs and failed to uh, lubricate the gears of trade to get enough bread, then they could be ousted by a coup attempt. Bread was really the great symbol of life and the great need that people had in the ancient world. A couple of church fathers point this out, that this bread here in the prayer is a symbol of our earthly needs. One from a church father who wrote, When Christ says bread... He includes all that is necessary for the body. We have been commanded to seek what is sufficient for the support of the bodily existence. One of our Reformed forefathers says, Likewise, bread signifies all food, either meat or drink. But there is nothing to hinder us from extending the meaning of the word bread a little farther. So he goes on to list clothing, shelter, and things that are needs like that as well. So a roof over your head is part of your daily bread, in other words. As we begin to think about things that go beyond our daily need, our, our, our daily needs, we recognize that those can be looked at as gifts from God. They certainly are gifts, but they're not necessarily a thing we should be longing for and praying for. So for example, from Ecclesiastes 5, our reading from earlier, Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them, and to accept his lots and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. So we can affirm that if you have a steak on your table, that is a gift of God. Even though it might not be something we're crying out and praying for day after day, it's certainly something we should thank him for. From Hebrews 13, we not only see then that these are gifts from God, but we should really be focusing on our needs. Hebrews 13, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Or from Psalm 62, we hear these words, if riches increase, if your wealth increases, set not your heart on them. In other words, our heart should not be yearning for more, asking for more, constantly seeking more. It's a dangerous place to be, which is why we're warned Keep your life, your heart free from the love of money. It, the love of money is the root of all evil. So, should we pray for that new Ferrari? I love Ferraris. But should we pray for it? Probably not. We pray for transportation, those needs be met to get tuned to from your workplace. Should you pray for that extra vacation? Should, should you pray for that mansion in the hills? No, shouldn't pray for those. If you happen to get them, you should thank God for those gifts. But let's keep ourselves free from the love of money and be content with what we have. Give thanks for the gifts without longing for more and more, which makes it hard to be content. So our first point, pray for needs, not wants. Second, pray for needs after we praise. Recall the structure of the Lord's Prayer. Let's keep this point brief. The Lord's Prayer begins with praise. It begins with extolling God. And then also ends with it. The accent on praise. Don't rush into your needs all the time. Okay? Now, if you only have time for very quick prayer, that's fine to pray for your needs in a very quick prayer. And I'm not disagreeing with that. But it is important to envelop your needs with praise and with thanksgiving. That way, you do not have a man-centered prayer. That way, you do not begin to make yourself the center of God's world. That way, you, you have put yourself at the feet of Jesus and at the feet of your triune God and you've celebrated Him before you then prayed for yourself, a needy beggar, a servant. So we pray for our needs after we praise. That is an ordinary path. That we ought to observe, we, for after all, if we pray after praising, we recognize who He is—the Triune, Transcendent God, who is sufficient to meet our needs, who is powerful to save. So that encourages us then to pray for our needs, doesn't it? If you've already recounted who He is, that He is good, that He is merciful, that He is faithful, if you. Pray for your needs after you've recounted who He is. You're encouraged as you pray for the forgiveness of your sins and for preservation from evil, as the Lord's Prayer is going to go and finish. Because you've remembered who He is, and so you can pray better in faith. So, we pray for our needs after we praise. Again, this is an ordinary approach. Our third point we thank Him then for His provision we thank him for his provision. We so often pray for our needs, but if we're being really honest with ourselves, we can oftentimes forget then to give him thanks when he's met those needs. We put the emphasis on the intercession, put the emphasis on, I need something, Lord, and that could be a good prayer, then we forget completely the answer to the prayer Some people keep journals with their prayers in it. Not that they're necessarily writing out a manuscript from their prayers, but maybe noting the things they're praying for. Then you go back through and you note things you prayed for. You can see then better how God's answered those prayers. That can be a good practice. So then give thanks to God for the ways he's answered your prayers that you might not forget. We thank him for the many things we often take for granted, that there is an economy that we can participate in. God has upheld it by his common grace, has he not? We give thanks because we're able to do work in our lives, whether we work from the home or whether we are working in retirement or whether we have a employment. God is upholding us, so we give him thanks for our work. We give thanks because there are people, if we're employed, who are able to employ us. We give thanks for those means. We give thanks as we go to the grocery store. And we get that daily bread off the shelf, we give thanks because a farmer was in the field to harvest the grain, a trucker delivered the wheat to the miller, the miller ground it up, the baker baked the loaf. It was delivered by another trucker who took it to the store, stocked by a stock boy, and then someone who's at the cash register to check you out. All these instances of God upholding our neighbor for our good, that we might have our daily bread. Or maybe you just bake it yourself. That tastes a lot better. But all these ways of giving God thanks for meeting our needs. We thank him. We thank him for our income. Thank him for his protection. Thank him for our bodily health and healing. Thank him for our food and drink that sustain us. Thank him for rest at night. And we thank him also when he provides us, because he does provide us bountifully with far more than daily bread. We see much more on our tables day after day than the bare bones of what we need. And so, beloved, let us have that spirit of thanksgiving, not only in the end of November, but throughout our lives. May we give him thanks, as he gives us far more than we need, because indeed our God is a blessed God, a joyful God, a generous God, who is happy to give us far more than we can ever imagine, not merely in this life, but in the life to come. So, beloved, let us learn to pray. Learn to pray well, praying for our earthly needs. Amen.